in his house one more Sunday. We could have been anywhere else. You could have elected to be at Lake Murray today. Uh, there's a lot of people that are at Lake Murray today of it being Labor Day weekend. You could have been anywhere else, but you elected to be in God's house. And I want you to know that by giving honor to the Lord, God will, uh, will bless you. He will strengthen you by honoring Him. And I thank God today that we've come together as a body of believers. The Bible says, where there's two or three gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. So Jesus is saying, where there's two or three, I'm there with you. So Jesus is with us. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is with us today. And I thank God today that we can come together as a body of believers. While that we have freedom and while that we have liberty in America which we serve, the greatest land that you'll ever live in uh, in your life is right here. And I thank God that we're here able today that we can worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. If you have your Bibles today, I'd like for you to grab those. You may have it on your Android. You may have it on your tablet. Uh, you may have it on your iPhone. If you would stand with me across the building, we're going to read as we read every Sunday morning, Galatians 2 and 20. And if you are a visitor here for the first time, if you'll fill out that visitor's card right there in front of us, we would love to know more about you and your family and just want to welcome you here at Victory Fellowship Church. But let's read Galatians 2 and 20 as we read every Sunday morning. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. You may be seated across the building uh, today. As I've asked you for your Bibles, they'll be up on the screen. The Bibles are in the pews there for you. But let's go to the book of James, the New Testament. James, the second chapter, beginning with the 14th verse. James, the second chapter, beginning with the 14th verse. And we've got, we've got some Jameses in the house today. So, so that's a good thing. We're going, we're, going with the, we're going with the name in the book of James today. James, the second chapter, beginning with... The 14th verse today. Let's read this today. The title of my message today is this. The faith that saves. The faith that saves. And I want us to look at this very closely. Because this is very important in our faith in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to show you today in some scripture about how that your faith in Christ Jesus saves you and saves me through faith. Do you know you cannot please the Lord without faith? You have got to have faith and you have to believe. A lot of times when we go through things in life, a lot of times we feel like that our faith is a little down and we have a little doubt and we have a little discouragement and we think things are never going to get better and it's always going to be the same old, same old and it's, and it's been that way and pastor and it's going to be that way. No, it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. The things that you and I go through does not mean it's always going to be there. There's going to be some trials. There's going to be some tests that we're going to go through. There's some temptations that we all deal with 
every day. But listen, I want you to know how strong your faith must be to be intact so that you understand Jesus Christ and His saving grace. And this is what we're going to look at a little bit here as time will permit. James 2 and 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? James asks the question. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, Depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what doth it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, watch this, it is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And James says, and I will show you my faith by my works. I want you to know faith follows works. Works ties in hands with faith together. You have faith faith and have works show me your faith without your works and i will show you my faith by my works verse 19 you believe that there is one god you do well even the demons believe that there is a god and they tremble but do you want to know O foolish man the faith without works is dead was not Abraham our father justified by the works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? Verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend, we sung that song today, the friend of God. And you see then that a man is justified by works, not by faith only. Likewise, verse 25, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Let me read that, verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Also, I want you to know today as Paul made his way towards Jerusalem, he enjoyed a conference with the leaders from the church at Ephesus. And among a number of things he did was to uh, condense into a capsule form the message he had preached and focused on particular attention of the human response that should be made to the gospel. He declared that he had not hesitated at the point of declaring to both Jews and Greeks and needed for repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And in these terms, he describes the heart and response that is necessary for a person to receive the forgiveness of sin and the gift of eternal life. 
And speaking of the need for the people to repent, Paul was affirming the uh, necessity of the being in the uh, inward change of the mind and the will towards God and towards sin, towards self and towards others. Yet let us face the questions of what kind of faith a person must experience on salvation. Repeatedly the Bible speaks of a place that a person's faith has in receiving salvation through Jesus Christ. And he gives an example here clearly in John's Gospel 1 and 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in him. But as many as received Him, as many accepted Him, to them He gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in His name. I want you to know when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart and life, you are now sons and daughters of the Most High God. And He has empowered you, He has equipped you to do the work of the kingdom of God. For this is a big kingdom that we live in especially in the United States we don't have to go to a third world country now to do missions that's great and we do that and we have missionaries but guess what America is a big place to be missioned and we must have mission minds that we continue to do kingdom work right here in the United States did you know that we are known by our testimony. You are known by your testimony, your past. If you've asked Jesus into your heart and life, listen, we all have a past, and a lot of us are not proud of our past. But if we've accepted Jesus into our hearts, then old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become brand new. And now we can share with others how Jesus has come into our heart and lives. And now we have a testimony of what God saved us from, not in, but what He saved us from. And now what we're doing now is by faith we believe because by faith we are saved in Jesus Christ and now we are now working for the Lord Jesus Christ because we work with Him day by day, spirit by spirit, faith by faith. John 3.16 which is a familiar passage of scripture that we've read over and over again. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life but here is verse 17 that we leave out and I want you to see this very closely for God did not send his son unto the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved so in other words, when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart and life, as He's living in us, He has not come to condemn the world. And listen, He's come to save the world. We are to share the light because we are salt and light to people that we come in contact with. And we are to live out 
our faith, which is our saving faith, is that we're to live out, not just say I'm a Christian, not just say I go to church, but we live out daily our job as a servant and as a disciple. The word disciple means discipline. You are disciplined every day to live out the testimony that God has saved you from a past that's not good and the present and the future of your life every day as we live in Christ Jesus. The Bible clearly lets us know in Acts 10 and 43, to him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Romans 3 and 28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith and apart from the deeds of the law, for it is by faith that we are saved, but also our works follow our Faith, if we just have faith and no works, what? It becomes dead because we're dying to ourselves. Everything is about us. Everything's about what you want to do, how you want to do it, when you want to do it, where you want to do it. Everything is about you. But listen, when we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts and life, it is no longer about you. It's no longer about me, but it's about Jesus Christ that's living in me because the Apostle Paul clearly lets us know that there's nothing good in him at all, but Jesus Christ and him crucified, there's nothing good in us but Jesus Christ and him crucified because the flesh has been crucified at the cross and now we can live a life victorious by faith in Christ Jesus not within ourselves Romans 5 and 1 says therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ the Bible clearly lets us know in Galatians 2 and 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Let me say that again. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. You cannot be saved by your works. Works will not save you, but works follows your faith. It follows the character of Christ. We live out the character of Christ as we live out the fruit of the Spirit. And then people begin to see a change in our lives. And they begin to see something different. You're living out your testimony every day because they're seeing something that they've never seen before. And what, we're, what we need to be careful about in the world which we live is that we are in the world, not of the world, and that we are to shine out Jesus Christ and the character of Christ so that people in the world knows the difference of seeing what faith is and faith by works working together. Then they see that there's been a change in your heart and in your life. Again, the faith that is referred to these in these verses is more the intellectual assent to the existence of God. For James 2 and 19 says, You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and they tremble. 
But one can believe every, of everything that the Bible teaches and still by outside of the family of God. We read in the books of Acts about Simon the sorcerer. He believed and was baptized in Acts 8 and 13. Yet later he tried to purchase the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter said to him, You have neither part nor portion uh, in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. You see, folks, we have to be careful. There are people that may be acting like they're saved. They may be acting like they've got faith. They may be acting like that they're doing all these great things. But be careful because even demons believe and know that God is real and know that God is almighty and yet they tremble. The passage here is talking about Simon the sorcerer where he began to see Peter and seeing him minister. Oh, he wanted that power. Oh, he had to have that kind of power. But see, that kind of power was within himself. He wanted power for himself. He wanted to uh, exalt himself just as Satan exalted himself. He wants to be exalted. Listen, it's nothing about us being exalted, but it's about living the crucified life and letting Jesus Christ come alive in our hearts and lives that we may be overcomers in Christ Jesus. Listen, James inquires concerning the value of faith that produces no fruit. I can tell you all day long that I'm a Christian, but if I'm not producing any fruit, if I'm not bearing any fruit, if I'm not allowing the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, goodness, meekness, self-control, if I'm not allowing these things to come in and saturate my life day in and day out, I can tell you all day long that I'm a Christian. I can tell you all day long that I'm this and that. But if you're not seeing the fruits of the Spirit come alive in my life, then my life is questioned because I'm not living out the character of Christ. You say, well, pastor, we're not Christ. No, I didn't tell you that you're Christ or I'm Christ. We are like Christ. The character of Christ has to come alive in our hearts and life. No, none of us is perfect. None of us are not perfect. But one day when we see Jesus Christ, the Bible says we will be like Him. So no, we're in the process, we're under construction, and we're working daily. Yes, there's ups and downs of our lives. There's things that we come in contact with, but it's never for us to stay down because we have a victor. We have Jesus Christ to be our victory, and we can be overcomers in Christ Jesus. Why, Pastor? Because He went through death, hell, and the grave. He arose on the third day. He's seated with the right hand of the Father, and now He has has victory and by him having victory we have victory in Christ Jesus give God praise in the house today I want you to know today that we have the victory you don't have to go around with gloom doom and agony and defeat but you can hold your head up high give the world a smile and let the world know who's in charge and that is Jesus Christ I want you to know today 
as James says. My brethren, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save him? Do you have that faith that saves? That's what I'm talking about today. My first point today is this. The faith that saves is the faith that responds to the gospel. The faith that saves is the faith that responds to the gospel. We are to respond to the gospel when we've asked Jesus into our hearts in life and by faith we believe because it's saving faith. And now it is you and I, it is our job and our obligation. It is not suggested by God. It's not suggested by Jesus. But now it is our job to what? To operate within the gospel and for us to proclaim the gospel and the gospel now should be in the center of our hearts and lives every day. Why? Because Jesus says, if you're going to be a follower of me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, not his cross, he's already bared it, take up your cross and follow him. Follow Jesus Christ. Listen. 1 Corinthians 15 and 1, the Apostle Paul writes and says, Moreover, brethren... I declare to you that the gospel which I preach to you, which is also you received, and which you stand, by which you also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain, for I deliver to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures." The gospel is sometimes uh, infinitely more than, the, than just good advice, or primarily it's just the good news concerning God that is communicated to us through Jesus Christ. And we take, uh, we take the gospel for granted. We take the gospel and say, yeah, that's the gospel, and yes, I got saved through the gospel, but yet we don't take the gospel serious. Christ died on the cross for our sins. He came to die, to live to die. Christ rose again on the third day. Christ conquered death and the grave. He arose in, in triumph, revealing the right reality of uh, immorality. Is a living Savior who has walked down through the corridors of time to this present day. He confronts the heart of each person with God's love as dramatically disclosed in His death on the cross. He offers people not only forgiveness for the past, but also for the present and for the future. The faith that saves is a faith that receives this news about God's love for sinners and receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want you to know how far the gospel goes and how deep the gospel goes. The gospel must be so close to us that we can't do anything without faith, without the gospel. We can't have uh, just the gospel without faith. My second point is this. The faith that saves is the faith that surrenders to the will of God. The faith that saves is the faith that surrenders to the will of God. It is not your will, it's not my will, but Lord, it's your will. Thy will be done. Jesus, as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was human just like you and I, humanity. He knew he had blood, he felt blood, he felt pain, he felt agony. 
uh, he felt so much. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed. He said, Lord, if it be, let this cup pass from thee. He was about to go to the cross. He said, Lord, if it be your will, let this go. I, I really don't want This is the human in him coming out. God, God, God did not answer. God did not say anything. But Lord, if it be your will... But then he said, as he prayed, as his blood, sweat became as drops of blood. He said, but Lord, he said, you know all about it. Lord, if this is what you want me to do, then I'm willing to surrender and say, Lord, I'm willing to be crucified. And he was. I'm also reminded that when Paul was confronted on the road of Damascus by the vision of the living Christ, he also, who art the Lord, when he dis, uh, discovered that it was, was the living Christ, there arose from his heart the question, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And in this question, he applied a surrender of his personal sovereignty to the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. Uh, he was making Jesus Christ the Lord of his life. In his epistle to the Roman Christians, Paul says that salvation comes to those who in their hearts believe and responds to the gospel to the extent that with their mouth they confess Jesus Christ is their Lord. See, Paul used to be Saul. He used to be the persecutor of the church. He killed the Christians. He did everything he could possibly do. But on the road of Damascus, he was struck blind. God got his attention. What are you doing, Paul? Why are you doing? Why are you persecuting the Christians? Why are you doing this? God got his attention. The faith that saves is a faith that surrenders to the will of God. The Apostle Paul fully surrendered to God's Lordship. The third thing is the faith that saves causes one to stop sinful habits. The faith that saves causes one to stop sinful habits. In our lives, we deal with habits. You may have a habit to bite your fingernails. You may have uh, a habit that uh, you're dealing with right now that you can't just seem to, to get over. Listen, I want you to know there is victory in the habits that you and I deal with every day. Why? Because Jesus has overcome death, hell, and the grave. Now we have someone that can go in, in, in our behalf and now he is, Christ is an ambassador. He is a representative of the Father. And therefore the Bible says he's forever interceding for you and I every day. Did you know that? Jesus is forever interceding for us every day. He is going before the Heavenly Father. Because the Bible says that the devil, he's an accuser of the brethren. He's going in and out of heaven saying, look at her, she's doing this. Look at him, he's doing that. Look, he's not that. He says he's this, he's not that. He's accuser of the brethren. But listen, God clearly sees us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and guess what? God says, my son has paid for their sins. My son has paid the price. And now I see them through my son, Jesus Christ, because he offered up the perfect sacrifice. 
see the habits that we deal with, we can get over those. We can overcome those habits. Listen, when Matthew the publican responded to the call to conversion, he left all and rose up and followed him. Paul commended the Thessalonian Christians because they, what? Turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. A primary implication of baptism is that the new convert is now both disposed towards and determined to walk in the newness of life. Because it's not about you and you having to deal with your habits, it's about Jesus Christ, and you're fully surrendering to His Lordship, saying, Lord, take this habit that I have. Lord, take the desire that I'm craving. Lord, take it away from me, Lord. And God, bring me to where I need to be, not where I want to go. Listen. The Bible clearly lets me know in closing in Galatians 5 and 24. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we've got the Spirit of God in us, we've accepted Jesus Christ into our hearts and life, then let us walk with what we've received in our heart and life and fully surrender and say, Jesus, take charge that we walk in the Spirit of truth. Fourth, the faith that saves is a faith that serves. A faith that saves is a faith that serves. Our scripture reading from James emphasizes that the genuine faith will manifest itself in the ministries of helpfulness and helpfulness, helpfulness and mercy towards the unfortunate. Jesus said that you would be able to tell the true from the false by their fruits. In Matthew 7 and 16, Paul told the Ephesians Christians that the children of God have been created by God unto a life of good works. This is true in Ephesians 2 and 10. For when people respond to the gospel with a genuine trusting faith, the miracle of the new birth takes place within their souls and they become a child of God with love and compassion and desire to help others. It is said that Jesus gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, a zealous of good works in Titus 2 and 14. If you have a faith that does not motivate you to service in the name of your Lord, then you need to be re-examined and understand the genuineness of that faith. There are some that have departed from the faith. There are some that have walked away from their faith. Some have said, well, I can't do this. Well, I can't do what you're asking me, Pastor. I can't be this. I can't be that. Listen, it's an individual affair, folks. I can't live for you. You can't live for me. I can't answer to God. I'm not your priest. I cannot answer to God on that day where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. The Bible says that it's pointing on the man wants to die, and after he dies, then it becomes the judgment. 
We're all judged. I will, be I will be included in that judgment. You will be judged. I will be judged. I'll be judged even greater because I'm a messenger. I'm a pastor that speaks the word of God. Much great requirements of me is much greater than anyone else. But we all will give an account on that day. And folks, that's why I say, while there is grace, while there is mercy, while Jesus is allowing His Holy Spirit to be upon this earth, we need to do everything we can to make things right now. You can't make it right when you're six foot down. You cannot make it right when you're dead and gone. What you can do is make it right now before you leave this life. Fifth, in my closing... My fifth point, the faith that saves is a faith that satisfies. A faith that saves is a faith that satisfies. To know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, as life's most wonderful friend, and as a heaven's infallible teacher, is to enjoy a peace that passes all human understanding. To be a Christian is, is much more than just believing that there is a God. To be a Christian, it's more than just having a high code of ethics, of rules by which you conduct your life. To be a Christian is to be a living relationship with Jesus Christ Himself. God wants a personal relationship with you and not just on Sunday morning, not just Wednesday night, not to go through the rituals of being here, but literally having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ on a daily basis. I've said this, and I will say it again. This coming Monday, tomorrow, me and my wife will be married for 30 years. 30 years ago, tomorrow, I got married in this church. I was a youth pastor before I became the senior pastor, and I stood right here with my former pastor standing here, and me and my wife gave vows to each other, and we got married. But if I did not communicate with her, if I did not show her that I loved her, we would not have been together. Tomorrow will make 30 years. We would have separated. We would have divorced a long time ago. But it's only by the grace of God and us communicating with one another, and us going through some hard knocks. We all go through hard knocks, even in your personal relationship that you may have. But listen, it has only been the grace of God. But you know what? If I just didn't show her, and if I just told her, our relationship wouldn't have lasted this long, but I showed her. I'm showing her. I am acting out. I am responding to her and my relationship with her. Yes, there are some rocky roads. Yes, we all have rocky roads. You mean, Pastor, you don't have a perfect marriage? No, I've never had a perfect marriage. But you know what? God has sustained us. God will sustain you. But that's what Jesus is saying too. Jesus is saying, I want a personal relationship with you. I just don't want to know you on Sunday and forget about me on Monday. I don't want you to just know me on Wednesday. But he wants a personal relationship with you every day. Did you know God wants to walk with you? God wants to talk with you? 
You say, well, pastor, how, could, how does he talk with you? He talks with you by the Word of God. He, he is. He is the Word. And when you open up the Word, you're hearing from God when you begin to read because that's the Word of God. And listen, God truly loves us, doesn't want none of us to perish, but He wants us to have everlasting life. Do you have the faith that saves? If you don't, you can. The Bible does not speak about the, the quantity of the faith you have and must be saved. Rather, it focuses on the object of your faith. And are you willing to accept Jesus Christ to be all the New Testament claims Him to be? Can you give mental assent to the truth of what the New Testament declares concerning Him? If so, then commit your life to Him by faith and depending on Him to do for you that which He has promised to do, and you will discover His presence and power at work in your own heart and life. Commitment. I am reminded, as I have a friend that just retired from the airlines, he was a pilot, and for many years he flew. And I was reminded that a pilot... You have a pilot and co-pilot, and when you're flying, the last word that the pilot will give the air traffic control as they go down the tarmac is that when it gets ready for him to pull that nose up, he will use the word, I am committed. And when he air traffic control, I am committed. He does not renege and say, well, wait a minute, i got to back off. Wait a minute, something's up. When he says, when the pilot says, I am committed, he is to go through full throttle to that engine as it leaves the tarmac and goes into the air. He is locked in as it goes into the air when he says, I'm committed. This is the way it should be with our lives today. We should be at the point that we say, Jesus, I am committed. And even though we deal with hard knocks and even though we deal with situations and circumstances, we should never forget that Jesus was on the cross that paid the price for whatever you're going through now, whatever you're going to go through next week, whatever the next month is, or what lies ahead, we can look to the cross and know that the Lord Jesus Christ has sustained us, is taking care of us, and that we in our hearts and minds should say, I am committed. I am committed. How many today are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ? Everyone, please stand with me across the building today. How many is committed?